What are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls. Lorcas! Either you are, or I'll be skipping rope with your entrails. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the amazing universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, may the light of the infinite energies lady guide you. I didn't say that as well as I, I, meant, I merged infinite energies and bright lady together. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm not redoing it. Cl- close enough. Close enough. Hey guys, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is Tom or Robots. Lotus is with me as usual, and we're talking about Meridia this week. Lotus, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Uh, you know, we we finally got to Meridia. We've been going through the Daedric Princes as as usual we had we had a little distraction last week if you happen to notice uh where we were uh, invaded by a few daedric princes and um now that we're done with that we can get back to the whole getting through all of these but we're at meridia and if you've been listening to this show then you know that we've got we've got some uh suspicions i guess you could say some suspicions about the bright lady Yes, it's it's I'm very curious if all of this long play seemingly good, but maybe not when you kind of look past just the surface of Meridia helped us originally with the the soul burst quest line. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she might not be quite all that. She appears. She is a Daedric prince, after that all. That is correct. And uh, we're, of course, going to go through all the details about her. Well, not all the details, but a lot of the details. We're going to get and we're gonna a little deeper than I did on the original episode where we went over Meridia. So hold on to your butts, because uh, there's some really cool stuff going on here. And we're going to explain a little bit more about our suspicions this week. So let's dig right in. Meridia, the Lady of Infinite Energies, I totally messed that up, Uh, also known as the Bright Lady, Strict but Fair Arbiter of Inner Luminance. What? Ooh la la. Ooh la la. The Sunfire, the Radiant One, the Keeper, the Lady of Light, and the Prince of Life. She is known for being the Daedric Prince of Life and Light and is associated with the energies of living things. So often when you see her portrayed there's this halo of golden light around her statue or around uh somebody who she's possessing at the time in order to say something and all of a sudden boop they like light up like a light bulb so if you see daedric prince stuff happening and it looks like a bright light or an angelic kind of big winged shape that's probably meridia that's kind of her mo yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah she's there's a lot about meridia that looks very holy very bright and you you think of like the light and dark thing that's often you know a trope in so many things but maria's not quite the oh yeah i mean she goes with the purifying effect as we'll get into later on about her disdain for the undead and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but it's not so much purity in the aspect of just like good or bad so much as just like the she end. has this complete obedience to her, which definitely when you start removing free will to such an extreme that she does and has zero tolerance for anything outside what she wants. Mm-hmm. So it's getting a little dicey about how, how holy and good is Meridia. She's, she's very narrowly minded. Like so many yes. of the Daedric princes are, she's, she's very focused on a very specific 
thing. And she's against things that don't fit into that dynamic that correct that there there focus. is no gray maybe with meridia right there no there no gray maybe. there's a lot of gray maybe in the elder scrolls but there's no gray maybe with meridia so so she has a, a natural hatred of the undead and connected with that would be some of the other daedric princes who she's constantly in competition with mm-hmm. um molag ball in particular and everything that molag ball does she is kind of the Daedric Prince antipode, like the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum yep. to Molag Ball. Right. So, um, but, but they're also all still Daedric Princes. So yes, <laughs> there is that selfish nature that, that she, whatever her goal is, is only known to her mm-hmm. and it may not even make sense to mortals. All of that stuff still applies. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, the other she also goes by a few other names uh she's also referred to as the glister witch and the lady of greed by people who view her less favorably and there's a very good reason why some of the races uh might view her unfavorably and that has a lot to do with uh well there's connections to the lore and you know daedra versus adra spirits where does she come from all of that stuff and sure there's we'll go into some of the mythology and beliefs we'll touch on that a little bit this week but there's also the historical stuff that she is absolutely known for being involved with so for example she was one of the uh, daedric princes that was highly worshipped by the aliens the elves that broke away from the Altmer and settled in Silverdale Silver and right. um, were known for lording over this, the Manish slaves mm-hmm. and, you know, creating gut gardens and these kinds of things. <laughs> and those those crazy people absolutely loved Meridia. <laughs> so, yes, well, and that's why, it, as we've mentioned before, with not just Meridia, but many situations, it's all about perspective on how people view who they view. Um, right. And, and with Meridia, she can be a hero to many. So like when it's, it's beneficial to you, just like co- any of correct. the danger princes, like, if you like, can leverage them. It, yes. Yes. And, and uh, you know, referring to elder scrolls online again, um, a lot of times Meridia, her, uh desires or her 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 end goal aligns with yours so as a side effect it seems like she's the good guy for for you know but it's more so just because you happen to sync up with your objective rather than overtly her being a a a good character um as later on we'll get into (laughs) after the main storyline and as the series has continued with elder scrolls online it's a lot of indications that maybe not so much <laughs> yeah yeah so we we know from the very beginnings the merithic era into the first era the connection with the aliens and there's also the fact that she takes on many mannish people as her uh slaves that she calls them the purified yep. and she kind of lords over them and they are under her command. They are slaves to her. And so that kind of puts things in a, in a little bit of a darker light at ah, ah, light. And then the whole, the whole thing with the aliens actually comes to a head when, um, uh, her champion, Umaril the Unfeathered, was pitted against none other than Pelinal Whitestrake. And if you don't know who Pelinal Whitestrake is, go back, listen to our episode. He is potentially a gay cyborg from the future who gets sent back in time in order to help free humanity, but also goes he's basically the terminator yeah and but then goes completely off the rails as well <laughs> right and kills a bunch of elves and khajiit and whatever um anyway without digging too much into pelinal stuff she has a champion named umaril the unfeathered and there's an entire expansion to oblivion about this where you have to put together the pieces of the uh what are they called they're um I forget what they're called. You, you, there's like eight pieces of something that you as the hero put together in order to understand how Pelinal fought against Umaril the Unfeathered. Uh, unfettered. Oh, oh, yeah. I was going to say, I forget the name of that armor that you put 
back together. Yeah. And then you get uh, the blessing of Talos and all of this stuff comes together in right, order. Right, right. Yeah. In order to fight against Umaril, who and Umaril is interesting. Like if you actually dig into this, we could do a whole episode about Umaril. Umaril is a half elf like the aliens. The aliens were elf and half divine. And the only reference to this is in the Song of Pelennol volume, volume three, where Umaril is described as a half elf. Elf, elf. Did I say with that with the th? Elf, half elf, um, and has is part Ada, meaning like one of these greater beings, and we are never told who. And chances are, it's most likely not Meridia because he's got kind of this almost intimate connection to Meridia, right? But maybe it is because. Why not? Right? Because wacky stuff happens. Sure. Um, I mean, the series is very grounded all the time. All the time. I mean, yeah, yeah. But like, this might be super gross, but maybe that's the way things are. And Umaril is undying because of this half divine bloodline that Umaril has and um, basically gets banished into who knows where, oblivion somewhere. And then several thousand years later comes back into the world during the events of Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. Right. And um, and then you have to basically destroy him. And this time you not only kill his body, but you go hunt down his spirit as well in order to rid him from the world. So yeah. that's probably another really good reason why Meridia might not be a good guy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's a whole nother thing. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, it's it's very well known that like she's she was connected with all of that and had she had her way the aliens would have maintained control of Cyrodiil the um the Manish empires would never would have been the whole line that goes all the way through you know the dragonborn leaders all of that stuff wouldn't have happened which when you think about it specifically pits her very much against Akatosh because yes. the line of emperors was basically set up through the blessings of Akatosh. And there's an also another dynamic here. Meridia is known to have some powers over time. Right. Which, so this is kind of interesting because she and Akatosh are not the same thing. In fact, they are pitted against each other in some cases. And they and he's the time god, and yet she has some control over time as well. Yeah, which I can't imagine sharing that type of power probably goes over too well amongst deities. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of speculation about the or, her origins, how she came into being part of the um, the uh, the Daedric, the number of Daedric princes, all of those things. Um, there's one belief that she was uh, one of the Magna Gay. Magna Gi. Magna Gi, yep. And um, yes. Yeah, so the Magna Gi being the divine beings from Aetherius that she was originally of. And there's some theories that all Daedric princes actually came from Aetherius, that none of them were Padmaic, that that's a whole other thing. But in this belief, some of them are not from Aetherius, but she would have been one of them. She was a creation of, of um, Magnus. And Magnus didn't actually have children, but created children and then left them to do what they're going to do. And she actually mantled a Daedric Prince very, very early on in order to take her place among the pantheon of of Daedric Princes. Which that's pretty neat that 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 I mean, again, it's hard to tell if if that ends up being the exact case, but it's, it's a cool idea for the creation potentially of Meridia because it makes her a little more unique um, than, yeah. than some of the others. Well, it also connects her to light. Um, Magnus is the source of magicka in yes in the in the world and um the one of the theories is that the magicka comes through the holes in the sky you know the sun and the moon yep. and the, the stars. stars yep and if she was a creation of magnus then some of that light is now connected to her and so she is a beacon among these otherwise dark daedric princes because mm-hmm. of because of her origin which is really kind of a cool way to think about it so um so th- this also ties into the Khajiit Khajiit beliefs. We're not going to go through all of the different 
types of beliefs on her. But the, I found the Khajiit to be very interesting. It says here on the UESP, friends of the show, UESP, go check them. Tam, Tales Tim Rail, part of the USP. Go check <laughs> out all their stuff. Crossover, crossover, crossover. <laughs> um, it says here in the UESP article on her, uh, ancient texts claim that Merid Nunda, as she previously was known, uh, false spirit of greed and the orphaned glimmer is the daughter of Magris. So Magris, Magnus, the Khajiit names are always more cat-like pronunciations of the words, <laughs> which is always fun, uh, who loved only himself and his own creations. Magris did not take a mate, but instead forged children of the Aether. Mirid Nunda is a cold spirit born of light without love. And I think this goes to that whole connection of her being amoral, a beacon of light, but not necessarily morality. She is intellect without wisdom, knowledge without purpose. She is the consort of demons, and some songs blame her for or orchestrating the death of mighty Lorkaj. So that'd be Lorkhan. When Mirid Nunda dared assault the lattice with intent, being the first to do so along Dagon and Malug. So basically two of the other Daedric princes who are extremely powerful. Azura struck her down before the Marlin, or Ver, Ver, sorry, Varliant's Gate, didn't pronounce that right, and dragged her away from it. She then cast Mirid Nunda into the void and bound her there with mirrors, which would make sense if you're a being of light to bind something with mirrors. You surround it with mirrors and the light can't get out. It just mm -hmm. keeps bouncing around, right? Right. The nomads say she has since escaped. Modern Khajiit may not acknowledge the Mirid uh, Nunda myths as the Riddlethar cult altered or removed many of their deities following the creation of the elsewhere confederacy and she's not mentioned in the modern creation story told by the clan mother Anissi but I think that some of these older stories might actually have I mean if they're not true true capital T true they reflect a lot of uh, insight into who these people are at least their character right. um, so what do you think about that I think that's pretty freaking cool yeah, that's definitely kind of an interesting. Uh, <laughs> the Khajiit versions have some really cool, different versions of of a lot of different things. We start a lot with the divines, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and even a lot of the times with with the um, the Daedric princes, like with Meridia right there. It's like their their stories and their culture even when it's very similar has a very cool, unique way, you know, unique twist to it compared to the other versions and stuff like that, which I, I always appreciate. Yeah. I like, and I like so much that there's a distinct difference between the Khajiit version of these stories and the elf version, the like Altimer oh, yeah. version. And I think a lot of it has to do that. It's not tied up in their identity, right? The Altmer absolutely need their version to be real because it defines who they it are defines their existence right it makes them important because they were they used to be gods and now right. they're not right the khajiit are like let me tell you a story this one's <laughs> interesting it's about mirad nunda you know and then they go on and, and it's, it's all about just it's an interesting story that might have some truth to it and there's very little actually tied into their identity so if it's not actually real Eh, it may be real, it may be not. This one doesn't know. You know, like, it's it's cool. It's fine. Right. Which, to me, lends certain amounts of more credence, or at least it feels like it does, to, to these stories. So, I think that's really cool. And like Rob says here, it connects her to Dagon, too, who was also rumored to be a Magna Gay. Um, yes. So... There's again more potential tie-ins. It's the creations of gods in this series is always a, a, an interesting thing just because everything is so unsure and then you have something that's so powerful that's also unsure. It's just it's like layers of what ifs. Um and and I don't know. I find that stuff fascinating. I like I like having questions with in at least in fiction with some kind of here's your answer but it's not fully the answer like it leaves it a little ambiguous mm -hmm. and and the creation story is a little hazy as to like it's not just yep she's here this is how she was formed and the end like here are the things she stands for there's there's not the same concrete Sorry. i don't know dog's marking yeah <laughs> same concrete dog barking uh same concrete way that 
when writing, sometimes you can over-explain. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel the series does a very good job of oftentimes leaving people desperate for more. Yeah. And, and like real world myth, oftentimes the stories have a lot more to do with um, explaining the nature of the the being and why they're important to us than literal truths and things that happen in a sequence um in fact humanity has been very bad at that until even like like very modern times like anytime you read a document about like oh this you know army went to war here and did this and did that it's more about the person telling the story usually than it is about the actual facts of the events like everything's colored Right. And just in in this as well, every version of every story is colored through the lens of the teller. Um, And and so much of it is not about specifics of time and events and when something happened and what order. And and, and I would assume that so much of them don't get it literally correct, but they may get close to a spiritual truth of this is a better way of understanding the nature of this godlike being and what their goals are. Yeah. Um, because ultimately you can't go back and find out what the, I was actually happening back then. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, so she's very interesting for those reasons as well. And, um, she, uh, one more thing I want to point out here, um, her, the nature of her realm of oblivion, it's called the colored rooms. And I find this interesting as well. Yes. So, um, she, uh, we don't get to see the colored rooms much at all, but what we do know is that they resemble a cross between like a coral reef and a field of floating stones with lots of colorful trails and dusts and clouds and light. Um, the ground between the stones looks like luminescent water, but is solid enough to walk on. And the skies are described as floating effluvium oceans of crimson. <laughs> So it's it's very beautiful compared to many of these other realms that we see, which are either spooky or hellscapes or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, the other thing, too, which I I wish we had seen more, because like you said, it's very limited in the series when we see it. Um, there, there's actually two points in the Elder Scrolls Online where you get to see it uh, briefly. But again, it's. I don't know. It's it's weird because it makes you want to see more. It's very celestial uh, from when you kind of get a good look at it. Which makes sense. And She's the Lady of Lights. Lights. Exactly, what are the natural exactly. lights in the world? Stars. Right. Um, so, you know, you, you just for a gauge, I mean, it doesn't really spoil anything, but it, for a gauge, uh, there is a point uh, in the main storyline campaign of Vanilla that you will... Uh, go to the colored rooms and then there's actually a dungeon called the depths of malatar um and in the depths of malatar dungeon during the final boss fight there is a phase in which you go to the colored rooms and have a battle uh because it is a meridian cult actually that you're dealing with again it interesting that suddenly you're you're situation no longer aligns with her and Mm. now you're battling one of her cults and oftentimes uh some of the enemies you'll encounter are aurorans which are her daedra which we can kind of get into later on yeah i mean they're they're basically like knights with uh yeah metallic golden looking knights they are with very little ability to uh, they're, they're they seem almost completely brainwashed like they they're just like zealots for her um which is a, they give off a very creepy vibe because of just that like hollowed out kind of nothing behind the face mask type of deal it's just like i fight for meridia and there is no more this is it like, like brainwashed like, slaves yeah exactly yeah. and and yeah. that's just it because one of the things that she won't tolerate is essentially free thought if it doesn't align with her so her troops embody that in, completely so yeah yeah so, um, yeah, and um, that also connects back to Umaril, who looks like kind of like one of those, but just really big, <laughs> like yes. a much bigger yeah. version of that. Um, there's also this this little note here, which I find really interesting, that Mankar Cameron, who we talked about before, yep. um, once claimed that the realm of Cold Harbor, Harbor in his dialogue in Oblivion belongs to Meridia in spite of it belonging to Molag Ball. And I have to wonder if this is like, was this a goof in somebody's writing back during the time of Oblivion? Or <laughs> is this 
something that Mankar Cameron knows about the true nature of Cold Harbor. Like, was it originally the realm of Meridia until that area was taken over by Molag Ball? Like, did Molag Ball conquer Cold Harbor and take it from her? Right. Which is kind of kind of cool (laughs) if it is. Yeah. And and she's actually um, again, I guess this if if you if, if base game stuff but i guess if you're still trying to avoid any type of spoiler um this this will be a little bit of a spoiler toward the latter half not not the end but the latter half of the original story to elder scrolls online she's able to basically force her way into that realm which kind of also potentially lends credence to that because oftentimes there's not a lot of oblivion plane skipping between daedric princes and each other yeah they kind of section themselves off from each other and they right they're, they're so, basically not allowed in yeah, yeah yeah so so that's that's also interesting that there, there's kind of a little bit of crossover there where okay maybe maybe there is some more credence to that who who knows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i love i love how this stuff is all just kind of like maybe maybe not we don't really know um but anyway, that's that's where we are with Meridia. We're going to get more into the uh, some speculation around just some of the stuff at the end. Yeah. Well, well, you know, like uh, why might she be a big bad in the series or especially in ESO? And then we're going to get into some of the artifacts and stuff. But first, we have to go thank our patrons. So stay tuned. This is Hamish Morak, Dragonborn. And you are educating yourself. To the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, so here we are in the middle of the show. Hope you guys are enjoying the uh, Wes Johnson um, dialogue stuff he left for us. Um, so we have to thank our patrons right right now because we got three new ones. We have Ryan E and Jaden A and Jose P. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you so much, all three of you, for signing up and for being here. This raises our numbers to a total of 103 right now. 103 current patrons, including our Daedric Princes, Mr. Gami Boy, Kira, Noodle Al Dente, and Riverwood Chicken. Thank you so much to all, all of you. Big thanks for supporting the show. This is, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because this allows me to do this as a full-time thing. So thank you to all of you guys. I hope you're enjoying all the different rewards you're getting, all the the episodes, the early, like the first 90-ish episodes that were banked and that are part of the Patreon. You get access to all that, ad-free episodes, episodes that come out a day early, and our patron chat, which is going to be happening next week. Now, Lotus, I've got, got some uh, schedule conflicts for next week. Normally we would do it on Thursday, but I think I might not be able to do it Thursday, but maybe we could do it Tuesday. Would you be free? Uh, yeah, we'll take a look, see what we can figure out. Yeah, we'll figure out a time. And okay. um, uh, we'll have to do, might have to do it earlier in the week. And if we can't figure out a time that works for everybody next week, we'll we'll just delay it a week and we'll still just let everybody join us and just sure. do it a little bit later. But um, yeah, if we could if, knock that out, maybe... I don't know, 10 o'clock on Tuesday, 10, would that be too late? Uh, let me take a look. You I think, think I about might it. Be able to, I think I might be able to swing that. Okay. Yeah. We'll figure it out and we'll let you guys know. Um, but thank you to everybody for being here and supporting the show. We also have a new review that came in from Seminarian, Seminarium Lord. Man, my pronunciations tonight are terrible. Uh, this one's great. So this is on Apple Podcast. 
Wiz Sassafras Pumpkin Cheese Podcast Extraordinaire. I don't think I've ever read a title quite like that. Five stars. Boom. Straight from oblivion comes Tom or Robots, a voice from the nether talking to us about the secrets and the knowledge behind the Elder Scrolls. Kind of suspicious. I think he might be Hermamora in disguise. Look out, Lotus. Great show, <laughs> great detailing, and an amazing crew. I'm a longtime listener, and I love the community efforts and love being able to just chillax and listen while doing work stuff. 14 out of 10 stars. Wow, that's a lot of stars. Wow, you broke the system two different ways because it only I goes to five. <laughs> so he pushed it up to 10 and then gave us 14. Um, Robots and Lotus, you guys do amazing work and would definitely recommend anyone who has just a bit of time on their hands and is in need of something to listen to or someone who's interested in the games but doesn't want to read every single book about it. This is a fantastic podcast with a fantastic crew of people on it. Great job, Robots, and keep up the work of slowly becoming Hermes Mora by absorbing all the knowledge of the Elder Scrolls universe. Again, I'm warning you, Lotus, keep on your toes. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Seminarium Lord, thank you so much for that awesome review. And to everybody who's taken the time to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thank you so very much. It really does help us out. Um, but that's what we got for this middle of the show right now. Let's move on with the rest of the episode. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, dear child of cities. That is why the Night Mother loves you. All right, we're back. Man, Those are so great. They're so good. They're so, <laughs> Those are good. so great. Um, so, uh, Rob in chat says, uh, spoilers, the Hollow City is ruled by Meridia despite it being in Cold Harbor. And it's not really that she forces her way in, but that she's been living there as the groundskeeper the whole time. So, well, it seems like she's got kind of an anchor. So we're going to actually it. continue with the spoilers. I mean, I assume if you're still listening to this portion, you're you're accepting of the spoilers it's, part. This shows all uh, spoilers. I mean, I mean, this is old enough way. that it's like it does involve a decent amount of plot twists and stuff like that. But I figured because there was uh, some decent discussion about the, the whole thing with the Hollow City, um, I actually really like the way that the UESP kind of summarizes it condenses it down to for, for a summary and i think just because it is important to that storyline that she is very heavily involved in mm-hmm. it might be worth just covering the exact nature of the hollow city and this whole idea of the groundskeeper thing so sure again if, if you're you've already kind of been spoiled going here but like if you don't want more spoilers be aware that we're going to continue with with this for a bit and it's it's pretty integral to the um main storyline of eso so um do you want to read it do you want me to do it what do you uh, uh, i don't have it up right now but so go ahead okay let me let me bring it up i'm pulling it up right here all right okay so either way what it is is long ago a city existed in nern which was devoted to meridia meridia gifted the people um the lights of meridia relics whose power made uh protected the city and made life easier for its inhabitants molag bal sent his minions from cold harbor to destroy it but the warriors and the mages of the city managed to seal the gates and protect the people inside everyone outside the gates unfortunately was slaughtered by the minions (laughs) the alien king oh boy uh well, the alien king Dinar uh, was visiting the city and quickly took command of the city's defenses. Uh, while the king single-handedly protected the, or while so he single-handedly protected the gates. As he fought, he prayed to Meridia, and Meridia felt compassion for her worshippers and answered. But she also saw an opportunity. Molag's ball portal. Molag ball's portal in which. The minions came in, worked both ways. She filled the lights of Meridia with even more of her power, uh, warding the city and pushing it into Cold Harbor. The lights of Meridia and the city's inhabitants were scattered all across Cold Harbor when the city entered into the realm. Many of the city's inhabitants were captured or slain, which is all people you meet or you meet their husks. Um, and the lights <laughs> were stolen by the minions of Molag Ball. Despite the fact that not all of her people survived, Meridia still accomplished a major feat. She had sent a portion of her realm into Molag Ball's domain from wh- and which he could not touch, a tactic that would pay off in the years to come. And she masked all of this behind the fact that you don't realize for a very long time that you are actually dealing with Meridia 
under the guise of this groundskeeper that you had mentioned, mm-hmm. which she's kind of just a generic groundskeeper around the area, but it's actually Meridia kind of nudging you to do her bidding so that you can prevent the plane meld and mess up Molag Ball. And the way to do it is kind of utilizing her stronghold. That That's why I mentioned that she kind of infiltrated Cold Harbor. Right. And it still makes me curious, like, since that's kind of not a common thing, was there more to it other than it just being a two-way portal? Could any of Prince done that? It's hard to tell because it, there's not really a lot of comparison being that the story itself is pretty anecdotal. Right. And it also ties back to the whole, like, she was beneficial to work with because we had similar goals. But what was really her goal on this? Like, seems like she right. didn't want Molag Ball taking over Nern. That makes sense. But yeah. it sounds like she also took advantage of this in order to infiltrate his own realm right. and like land a blow on him that way, which would make sense. They're in competition with each other. Sure. Sure. We get that. But the way she does these things, and I think this connects back to some of your suspicions about what else is going on behind the scenes in ESO. Yeah. She like from the beginning of the ESO story, we work with her un- not knowing that it's her. In order to further some of her goals. And then throughout every expansion that we've had, we haven't really had to deal with her again that much. I mean, a little bit here and there. But like for the most part, it seems like she she uses this guise of being a good guy because at first she looks like a good guy, all bright lights and angelic and all of that in order to, in some ways, in very sneaky ways, manipulate mortals into doing the things that she actually wants would you say that Uh, that's part of very 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 much so and it's under the guise of being like and that's i think one of the main things that helps manipulate those that work for her is it's under the guise of something that seems noble or seems good and it might have very different meanings and you might also think because this is a story where she actually responds to the siege. Like Mm -hmm. she takes care of her followers. Um, I think maybe this would be a good way to bring into uh, there's, there's a um, temple in the Greymore expansion Mm -hmm. um, that they're praying for her help. um, It's in the same location in both Skyrim in Elder Scrolls yes. Five and in ESO, it's the same Co- temple. Actually. Correct. It is yeah. the same temple. Right. Um, so the <laughs> the thing is, in in Elder Scrolls Online, during that uh, the the Gray Host coming in, you have the situation of okay, well, this is all happening. There are hero storms dumping in, all sorts of chaos going on, and stuff like that, and. <laughs> Her her priests and priestesses are like, oh, my God, please help us. Like, you know, vampires are coming in. Everything's getting destroyed. A harrowstorm literally like opens up right above it. And it's like, oh, my God, this is this can't be good. And they're just like, uh, hello, any getting torn apart. Hello. <laughs> right, and right, right. they all just get torn apart and murdered. And uh, yeah, she does a big pile of nothing and just lets them all get murdered, which is like. Yeah, oh, which well, doesn't always seem <laughs> to be her MO. Like she, t- sometimes she responds. Like people pray to her, she shows up. Yes. Like she, she's very active, right? And it, and in that situation, it's kind of like, okay, well, was it because that she, she was busy with something else, like, or did she just like, ah, I don't care about this, like, hey, whatever, knock yourselves out. I can't be bothered right now. <laughs> I'm doing something else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some questions about that. So, um, Ben in chat says, uh, "Watch her be the next big bag, B- big bag." Did I say bag? What is wrong with me today? Nailing B- it, big bad in the next year's expansion. Um, yeah, I you know, I think that of the Daedric princes, there are really only a handful that have like world shaking potential, and somebody like Molag Ball, somebody like Mayrunes Dagon, and somebody like. Meridia, I think are among like a small handful. I'd have to think through all of the others, but for the most part, they all kind of do their own things and just seem like a nuisance and kind of do, they just do their things. Right. But some of them I think might be powerful to 
actually change the world and i think she's one of them yeah and and um i i believe she's she's got another situation um where i always assumed that this was what related to molag ball's quote at a dark anchor is that um there are crueler masters than i when you shut down one of his dark anchors one of the quotes that it's just got a myriad of things he'll he'll yell out to insult you or yeah. whatever which makes you and, go wait no come on you're yeah, and, freaking molag ball you're molag ball <laughs> and i always wondered if that was a nod kind of just at the fact it's like bro you don't even realize that you're helping somebody who's just going to brainwash you again later um mm-hmm. and and it's you know cruelty from a perspective of that is you know I, it's it's really molag balls really far down that list of being you see yeah not just horrific um right. but every form of torture exactly yeah, like, yes. but at the same time like I, it just made me think that it's like there's something more to being deceived and again, or your she, free will being completely removed. Right. Which is a horrifying thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've I've long been waiting for the twist um, when Meridia becomes your main villain, because like I had mentioned with the depths of Malatar, that was a situation where you're battling her cult. Um, there's another one because spoilers, unfortunately will continue as she's pretty integral to a lot of the elder scrolls online. So if you don't want Somerset, Somerset spoilers, I, I, forewarning here as well. Um, as it was just mentioned in chat, Darian Gutierrez, um, is, a character that you run into and are under the impression dies in the vanilla campaign, but then comes back later on as, as like this golden knight, mm-hmm. And you don't even realize who it is for quite a while. And, you know, he's almost comic relief at points, but he's pretty useful. The reason that it it's a little disturbing in, in regards of what he does and doesn't do of his own free will is when you complete the Somerset storyline, the guards in the, the palace will be talking and you can actually overhear them mention it. If you don't find it on your own, that a, a glowing book appeared upstairs. And if you go up the stairs of the palace, you will find this book and it's basically the journal of darren yeah darian's last words yeah yeah okay is that what the name of it is uh the journal of darian gutier yeah um but it contains his last words his last words right and it's it's more or less the memoir of somebody being stripped of their free will and like being thrust into this regardless of what they wanted so it's like this is another situation where it's like okay she uses people in the world and morals just as much as anybody else does even if oh, it is under the guise of yeah it's called words of the fallen that's that's words actually of the, the fallen ones. okay that's the, that's the one with his final like and there is a, a journal but this is specifically the book words of the fall yes that that's the that's specifically the one i'm thinking of so I, it's it's definitely worth worth a catch if you get yeah. a chance to read it here let's it is. let's read through it do, real quick it's not very long read through it? it's I'll, not super long i'll yeah. read through it real fast uh, because i think this will this will wrap up part of our justification for her being a bad villain and then we can move on to the items and things um so words of the fallen by darian gutier never trust a daedric prince if there's anything i learned at all from this that it's that's it in a nutshell i used to think i had a purpose a part to play in the grand scheme of things i suppose i did sort of but the way things turned out it wasn't at all the way I imagined. Meridia said I was her vessel. I guess my fate was sealed from the moment she brought me into existence. Which means that he, like, it goes back into the story about Darian, that he was kind of uh, not, I don't know, not mortal in the same way that everyone else is. Similar to the other character we talked about earlier. Yep. Um, which is a kind of cool callback. Now, here I am, back in the colored rooms. I thought that when I gave my energy to restore the sword, which is the events of Somerset. And I did that for my friend, not for Meridia. I thought that was the end of me. I'm back though, but this time is different. My light, it's fading. I can feel the darkness getting closer, pressing in. I expect that once the light goes out, that will be the end. I need to tell you something about Meridia. She's a deceiver. She's promised that if I serve her faithfully, I'd earn my freedom. 
she never told me that freedom was just another word for the the void <laughs> don't trust her don't trust any of the daedric princes not ever i found peace though meridia gave me a chance to see the world and those i care about one last time to save those i loved i'm grateful for that at least i wish i had a chance to say goodbye to everyone to scordo to gabriel gods i miss them but most of all your player name gets inserted here I don't know if they'll understand how much they truly meant to me. Perhaps we'll see each other again in another place, another time. I probably won't be the version of myself that's writing these words, though. Uh, that seems like foreshadowing. That me will be gone. I can live with that. I only wish I could have spent more time with everybody, had a few more adventures, ordered those drinks like we always talked about. I hope my friends find peace, happiness, and love. They deserve what I could never have. If anyone ever finds this book, know that I will never forget those I named herein. And if you find them, and I pray that you do, tell them this. Protect the ones you love, hold them close, cherish their every moment, make them laugh and laugh with them, smile together, and never ever forget that the moments you have are so very precious. Oh, and tell them not to forget me either. I mean, I am a legend, as far as I know. The polite, handsome, and humble knight, Darian Gutier. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a good summary for the terror of serving Meridia and yes, how it strips it's just, it's, you from being yourself. Being stripped of your abilities to think for yourself is just like a disturbing concept because the inability to, to think for yourself is just really at least to me just very very disturbing yeah i mean this is kind of like the horror of losing your mind this is Correct. The, the horror of you know that we talked about last week we're raising money for alzheimer's this that's is what i was about to say of, for, for, of, in yeah. relation to something as horrible as dementia or alzheimer's right. and that's why eventually my body will dandy. be a husk and you will no longer recognize the me that used to be in this husk right right that's basically what he's saying um which is, is terrifying. So yeah. on that happy note, why don't we move over to your favorite stuff, the artifacts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which ironically, um, it's, it's kind of funny. She really just kind of has one artifact I care about. Yeah. The others, um, we can go over some of the others real fast. We will. Like, so I'm actually, I, I, usually I kind of lead up to the, the one that I like the most. Mm -hmm. um, but in this one, I, I feel like it's kind of worth starting with the only one that I feel is super useful. It is actually one of my favorite Daedric artifact weapons uh, in the series. And that, as most people know, is Dawnbreaker. Um mm -hmm. Dawnbreaker is a Daedric artifact created by Meridia, obviously. It was forged in holy light that breaks upon the prince's foes. In appearance, it is an ebony longsword containing a distinctive light emitting crystal in its crossguard known as the Dawnstar Gem. It was created with the intention of burning away corruption and false life. As such, it is particularly effective against Meridia's foes. This primarily applies to undead, although its powers can be used to ward off dangerous and werewolves as as well right um, basically creatures that were created or in control of other tedric princes <laughs> yes <laughs> so um big fan of that thing I, I i love that weapon actually i think just the the fact that it lights stuff on fire is is neat mm -hmm. um i like that but yeah. for the most part um it's it's more actually that uh it just looks really cool. <laughs> like, I really like the way that weapon looks. Really? Like, I've always yeah, liked the I, fact that it has got like a glowy gem in it and it's like this I, I golden looking I just, sword. But I don't know. I, I think know, it's the, a really cool looking. The round cross guard has always hit me weird. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I really like it because it's yeah. very strange. Like it, it's it's a strange look. Um but I, but I really enjoy it. I, I, I like the the style of the weapon, um, and it, it's pretty good. The other thing you could do, which I have no idea if this was ever patched, <clears throat> but um, in Skyrim, it's on a, a pedestal when you get it. And um, if you mm -hmm. shout it off the pedestal, <laughs> you can it'll fly against the wall, and you can pick it up, but then you can pick it up out of the pedestal, too, so you can dual wield them. <laughs> it makes a second one. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so so you can actually uh, duplicate the weapon totally, like, fairly, I guess. I, I didn't find out by doing it myself. A drugger actually shouted at me. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, he knocked it off the platform. What a douche. And I picked it up, and then I kind of went over to interact with the platform, and I was like, 
oh crap, I can get a second one. And that's then, amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. So I was a big fan of that. No idea if that's been fixed or anything like that. But back originally when I played that, that was how I ended up with two of them. That's awesome. That's so, I didn't know that. That's, that's amazing. Um, so we got that one. That's kind of the big, well-known one. Uh, yeah, that, she's, that's the big one. Yeah. And a little side note here. She's also associated with the Ring of Kajidi. We've talked about the Ring of Kajidi before because it was connected yep. potentially to Mafala may also be potentially connected to Meridia. So we don't need to go on to that one for a while. No, I, I was going to say, and I always considered it more of a Mafala artifact, but you yeah. know, whatever. Some of these have like vague origins or in a very old game were referenced to one of them. And then as that, you know, we got these Daedric Princes get fleshed out more. It makes more sense that it's associated with somebody else. Sure, so sure. There's always a little bit of like, I don't know, adjusting um, the stories. What about the opal charm? Yeah, so the opal charm is an artifact associated with Meridia, which has been enchanted to pull light directly from her realm of the colored rooms. This light is capable of temporarily manifesting physical objects when mastered, which is sounds pretty neat. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Reflecting its creator's uh, obsession for conformity, the charm also unifies the life force of the artifact bearer and their followers, not allowing any to die uh, till the wearer itself is slain. So it's basically just, per- I, I guess just. It's kind of what she does where she takes yeah, control over it, her servants and then right. basically grants them undeath, but they're not undead. It's but just they're that not they're, undead in the they're immortal type of way. Right. They're immortal. Yeah. They can't die until she allows them to be killed. That kind right. Of thing. Yeah. Um, and then in appearance, it is uh, engraved. It's a, oh, it is in egg shaped or egg sized opal that is cast in gold and hung around uh, a chain. Even mm-hmm. while inactive, it is capable of illuminating an entire shrine, which is just kind of a funny little note. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's I, I actually, unless I'm mistaken, I don't believe the opal charm has ever been in a, in one of the games. Not that you know this. This is one of the ones that I was like, I don't really know. Yeah, I have where you no recollection of this. Um, it does not. It's seem an like... ESO thing. Yes. So the this connected to the Knights of the Silver Rose. Um, yeah, but it doesn't look like you're specifically. I don't know that you wield it. Right. Ever. Right. Yeah. That yeah. that was kind of what I thought. Um, yeah. Do you want to cover the prismatic core? Yeah. So the prismatic core was a powerful crystal that powered the prismatic weapon created by the willing sacrifices of many priestesses of Meridia. So you wonder what they're doing in those temples. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Uh, it was given to the forces of the alien city state of Dolan. Sorry, Delodil during the early first era so that they could defeat their Moleg ball worshiping enemy of a baggerless and destroy the mortum vivicus the destruction of a baggerless was successful but the weapon was ruined in the attempt the crystal powering it was salvaged although drained of its power and five alien heroes set out to the dwemer ruin of mzenald because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dwemer didn't like vowels <laughs> to, to hide the crystal so that the forces of, Mo- of Molag Ball could not find it. The priestess Velasha sacrificed herself to repower the crystal and the rest of the heroes giving their lives to safeguard. It was later recovered by the Fighters Guild in the second era of 582, so ESO, and reforged into the prismatic weapon. The prismatic weapon was used by the guild's champions to destroy the Mortum Vivicus once and for all. So oftentimes when these are laid out in this kind of way and it's like, and then the fighters go did this thing and the time that ESO happened, it, it's because it's connected to a side story. There's usually a, a side quest where this comes up. So then we have Meridia's Beacon. Um, yes, which is the one that's most notably everybody knows the entrance to this quest where another hand touches the beacon another hand um, touches the beacon and yeah you can get lifted off into the sky for a very dramatic situation but Meridia's beacon is just a magical magna geode shaped stone with uh oh associated with meridia obviously oh, imagine that yeah who would have thought um who knew? The Lady of Infinite Energies is known to speak to those in possession of the beacon, the thing we were just mocking, um, and uses its influence to compel those who hold on to the beacon, which, again, is more of that control thing that she has. And it's also sort of funny because you 
sort of kind of like most people, I mean, you do technically have the ability to not do it, but almost everybody just by default will do it. Um, and, and yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's <laughs> for the most part. You're, you're yeah, like, exactly. okay, where is this going to go? What's right, going to happen? Right, so you, right. you play through it. Yep. Yep. All right. So it's time to wrap up the show with a little bit of, a little bit of trivia and the voice actor who plays Meridia. So did you know, Lotus, that even in, a, in Skyrim, if the Dragonborn, you, are a vampire, Meridia will still openly accept aid and reward you with Dawnbreaker. Hmm. It doesn't actually stop that quest line from going. That's kind of interesting because I don't like being a vampire in Skyrim. So I guess I'd never tested that. I also have a tendency to go for that relatively quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't because, stop you. There's not like a, a built in yeah, wall or dialogue that, that they put in the game that was like, halt, unclean one. You are not worthy of this. Yeah, you don't need to be cleansed first or anything relic. like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nothing like that. It's totally not a thing. I feel like that um, was more of an oversight than anything deeper. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. I bet there's also a mod at this point that fixes that. Oh, uh, almost certainly. <laughs> almost certainly. Yeah. So Meridia is voiced by Jean Gilpin. And Jean Gilpin is interesting because, um, first of all, very long lists of... Uh, uh, roles, both uh, early career acting roles, and then a lot of voice acting over the last, say, twenty years. And um, in um, in Elder Scrolls, I'm trying to. See, there's so many in here. I lost the spot where it was at. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Uh, she also voices Elenwyn and Boethia. So we talked about her on the Boethia episode. So also Elowin, Elowin. Um, the her career started back in 1971 and uh, showed up on some TV series and things like that. Also known for doing a lot of cartoon voices, like additional voices on Garfield, The Tale of Two Kitties. <laughs> ah, the classic. Um, the classic, right? There's other characters that you might recognize from other games. So Dragon Age 2, Knight Commander Meredith Stannard, for those of you who are Dragon Age fans. Uh, let's see. There's um, most recently, I found this interesting. The new Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie that came out. Did you happen to see that, Lotus? I I did not. That's uh, <laughs> that hasn't managed to come across one of my TV yeah. screens yet. <laughs> well, if you have kids, chances are you might have picked this up and watched it. Um, yeah. And also, it turns out Meridia is brain controlling all of you. <laughs> well, she's Mrs. House as a voice in this. But uh, speaking Perfect. of, yeah, like the but the movie is actually really smart and very very like, cleverly written. Yeah, especially See, for maybe people. it really is secretly Meridia, and you just think it's Mrs. House. Maybe, maybe, but Another especially ploy. for people who uh, would have watched, you know chippendale rescue rangers as kids i I remember the show as a kid yeah yeah so lots of funny references are pretty good uh also uh manky chava in halo 5 guardians didn't play five don't know if you've played that um final fantasy 14 actually is uh merlwib i don't know how to m-e-r-l-w-y-b blow fist win that's a good name uh, okay. Lots of other, lots of other games as well. Lots of other things. Um, so anyway, that's the voice actress who plays Maria. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I think that's gonna do it for this episode. I mean, yeah, she's a sneaky one. I wouldn't she be surprised is, that we don't and, see more stuff. And it'll be interesting to see because they've switched to kind of like instead of a long, the story is. I mean, the stories interconnect. Don't get me wrong. In Elder Scrolls Online. But it, it'll be interesting to see if with the yearly thing that they do nowadays, if that will still be a thing, because um, that sort of changed a while back so that they could make the series more accessible for everybody. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this plays back, as we made reference to, all the way back to the original storyline of the game, which has references to stuff like that. But that storyline and its twists and turns carried on all the way up until Somerset with the, the triad conclusion. And since then, there hasn't really... The stories have been much more independent each year in the seasons of. It would be... 
it would be a strange pull, although I would love it because it would be such a great misdirection. And I think it would totally mess with people that, that maybe aren't as familiar with being around with the series for so long or anything like that, or have jumped in at different points, but to have that long play finally come to fruition, Mm -hmm. uh, because there's been so many hints at it. I just don't know how they would pull that off with their current way of doing yearly cycles and then also required, by the way, I hope you had context for the last eight years of this game because it's finally coming to a head. Well, they, they do. They do have characters that uh, recognize you like they, they make a point they totally do. to play like to add extra voice lines for things like, oh, you're the hero so and so. And if it wasn't yes. for you, blah, blah, blah. Or even characters that you would have met in other areas when they come back into new areas, say things like good. Good to see you again, friend. La, 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 la. Right. So you um, could play that up by they could connecting some of the dialogue across multiple things with a character who kind of also brings that all together for you right and it's more so that i feel like that's a <laughs> <Abner flavor>. <laughs> yeah oh yeah darian so that's like, dude you have darian show right. up as a starting to become husk of who he used to be and abner tharn talking back about like when you help to stop the plane meld and all of that stuff yep. and you bring all that stuff together that absolutely perfect two characters to bring back for a Meridia focused expansion. Also, that's how you do. It. I I personally love Ben's suggestion of mm-hmm. a ten year anniversary would be really cool if that's how like the first decade of Elder Scrolls Online goes down. Right, that would be or, intense, dude. What if what if uh, Molek Ball like takes back control of or not takes back but takes control of the Hollowed City? Right. I was gonna say. I mean, it's still in his realm, even though right. What if it's like a a push? Like, what if there's some sort of like, like reinvasion using the connection of the hallowed city with it not actually supposed to be part of his realm and all of that? Right. Right. That could be cool. That could be cool. So I don't know. I guess we're going to see. You got anything else you want to share before we head out? No, I was. Well, I mean, um, we'll be recording tales this weekend. Um, uh, Very exciting as High Isle has dropped on console, um, which I've been loving it so far. Yeah, it's what do you you like the most so far? (laughs) So um, it's kind of funny because I don't have nearly enough time into it to to really give a good gauge. And I will shock you by saying I have been so busy running around with people just doing random things. I haven't tried the card game yet. I haven't done the card and game. W- it's easy, it's easy to get into to. once you do. Like there's like, like the, the tutorial for it isn't very long. And then, yeah. And people have told me that once you get into it, rip everything else, because that's pretty much just all you do. <laughs> and that's coming from people who don't like card games in many of my guilds they're like this is dumb and they posted they're like all right i feel like this is a really uncomfortable thing to admit <laughs> i stopped running trials i keep playing this damn card game yeah <laughs> i'm like yeah I, yeah that's what i keep hearing um but I, I so far i mean it's definitely got some some stuff that needs to be ironed out still um but mm-hmm. overall my experience has been very good with it uh, i've had a lot of fun with it and the uh stream we did on launch day went off without a hitch uh totally had no connectivity issues or anything like that and um we are it's not quite over yet because uh we're still raising money for it but i just set a little 200 dollars goal um because i haven't had time to like commit to constantly streaming or anything like that and we're actually already at 160 dollars raised from my portion of the 200 for uh the ending alzheimer's thing which wes johnson had mentioned last time he was on the show and the uh, the the charity as a team is at oh, what was it eighteen thousand or something like oh that? i think they crossed 20 recently did yeah. they break 20 like, yeah I, I think that was this morning so yeah. it's like the the whole team is doing amazing and everybody's contributions getting added together is just is just phenomenal to see um so it doesn't need to be mine if you're looking to get involved there's still bunches of people doing all sorts of great events for it. Uh, you can obviously check mine out as well. It's just on my Twitch channel and on Twitter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going really well and I'm really happy to see it cause it's a, another fantastic cause. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Definitely 
go check that stuff out. It's still happening if you're watching us live. I think it runs yep. through this weekend. It um, will run through this weekend. That, that's why yeah. I was going to say we, we're nearly at our goal. And I know a lot of people are closing in on theirs as well. So yeah. there's still time. Yeah. So awesome stuff. It was so nice to have Wes again on, on oh, our yeah. show with us last week. And those so. bumpers are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're interested in more uh, voice actors, the I got a chance to interview nine of the Fallout 4 voice actors, including Wes Johnson, um, last week. And that is up on the Fallout lore cast feed so if you want to go listen to that you can do that as well um and also a big shout out to jillian and rob the princess who have been reinvigorating our pc uh lorecasters guild um i did some events with them last week and got to play through some stuff we we took out some world bosses we Hell knocked yeah. out some vents uh knocked up through some of the world stuff and uh shared uh, daily quests in order for us to do multiple world bosses and get rewards for every one of them, which was funny. You say that, uh, cool. because uh, there Ben, as well as, uh, Rob and a bunch of people were hanging out with us on stream. And since I kind of represent the console side, I didn't know what to do for my stream. I was just like, Oh, I just want to see high aisle. It's beautiful. And the stream, the oh, it is. I love the design of it. Yeah. And the stream ended up being nearly seven hours of us doing exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. We were just running around the map doing repeatable dailies, delves, dungeons, world bosses, volcanic vents. And we just kept sharing the quest with each other. And there were enough of us with different characters that we actually did it for seven hours. Oh and I was God. like, I need to stop streaming. I have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So, yeah. so yeah. If, you're, if you're looking for people to play with on PC, if you are part of Guild already, log back in, check it out. We're, we'll have people actively doing stuff. Uh, if you aren't part of the PC Guild, you can join us on the Discord. Just look for the channel uh, where you join the Guild. You do a little thing a little command in there you'll see it yep. um or just ask if you jump on the discord how do i join the guild people will will help you out and then um look for the notifications both in the channel on the discord and on the daily updates for the guild when you log in so if you want to make sure you get together with other people and play stuff everybody's super nice everyone has an awesome time together it's just that's just what we do around here so go check that out Otherwise, I've got all my shows, robotsradio.net, for all the other podcasts and all the other things I do, helping out new podcasters with the Rocket Club and the, the book I wrote about video game podcasting. All that stuff's available on the website. So go check that out. And of course, you know, we'll, we'll see you next week sometime. Uh, hopefully, we'll figure it out. Maybe Tuesday next week, patrons. And um, other than that, stay safe out there. We'll see you guys later. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on Twitter at robots underscore radio or Lotus of Doom at Lotus of Doom. Also, you can join us on the Robots Radio Discord channel. You can easily just search Robots Radio Discord on Google or check the description underneath the podcast. Also, this podcast is recorded live every week on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on the Robots Radio channels on Twitch, YouTube, and on Facebook. So just search Robots Radio on any of those platforms come join us we'd love to chat with you while we record the show or before or after either way just come hang out with us and if you're looking for more information about my shows and the shows on the robots radio network go to robotsradio.net for all the information about all the shows on the network including the robots radio rocket club where i help both new and existing podcasters to grow their shows build their audiences and create the best podcast they possibly can all of that at robotsradio.net we'll see you next time